ding dong merrily on high, dear listener, as the last of the turkey legs has been consumed and Grandad is asleep on the couch downstairs, the glass of port slowly slipping out of his hand onto the cream carpet. I invite you to a special edition of Weekend at Crombies where we review the first year's films through the medium of statistics. Welcome, dear listener and companion with us for 2018, as James and myself patiently wait the chimes of Big Ben, a glass of sherry and a small bowl of twiglets between us. <laughs> what will 2019 bring? Well, I'll tell you what it'll bring for definite, is 12 more episodes of Weekend at Crombies. 12 more? Six more films chosen by James Evans, Esquire. <laughs> Dr. James Evans, he will choose that I will be obliged to watch and talk about at some length. And, and six, six more, yes, and six more films that Hugh will choose that I am totally ambivalent towards. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very merry here. It's New Year's Eve. <laughs> oh, what's what's that downstairs? Yes, we'll be down in a minute. Just have to wrap this up. The party's in full swing. Indeed, I, I believe I saw a game of Twister being unwrapped. Did you enjoy Christmas? I did enjoy Christmas. Yeah. I I was surprised by the Queen's speech. I wasn't expecting that amount of swearing in it, but no, I, I, I felt she got her points across. Um, I thought that the two-fingered salute was probably an inappropriate <laughs> sign-off, but I I thought she she can carry that. So I believe we we tempted our listeners with offers of statistics, and um, unless I'm mistaken, I see uh, in your tinsel-covered laptop over there a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a spreadsheet. So what I've done is I've had a look through the films that we've watched this year and um, kind of collated uh, a, a, a kind of a, a number of different um, uh, kind of statistics about you know what we've watched, um, the scores we've given, and also compared um, our films with each other. So the films that I've chosen and the films that Hughes have chosen and what they mean for for um, each of us in terms of the scores we've given but also i've 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 had a look at um what each film has um scored in the public as well so i've taken the average scores from a social media site called letterboxd um which uh, i i use quite a lot for kind of logging films um and so we can see whether our scores are commensurate with what the public think and of course the public don't know anything so um it's not really relevant but it, it might be quite interesting and also to get a sense of which of the films that we've chosen have been the most popular films not necessarily the highest scored but the films that have the most watches um and the films that are perhaps the most obscure and i think some of these will be quite interesting actually certainly not what i thought also going to have a look at um the public scores and the proportion of stars that the public give each film as well and we'll have a look at which which film has the highest proportion of five stars and which film has the highest proportion of half stars and i think i think we'll find some interesting uh some interesting findings from that from that as well i'd like to i can't i can't wait to to see uh to hear hugh's reaction to some of these statistics i am 
I am in a very literal sense all agog um, to, to, to find out what happens. And I just wanted to, to check on what I don't want to interrupt your flow. But when you said yeah. you use Letterbox for logging films, is yeah. is that for films about lumberjacks or um, <laughs> is, there a, is there a special side category of, of gothic horror lumberjacks oh, I'm aware of? So I use Letterbox to diarise my film. I watching. see. <laughs> How about that? If, if, if diarise is even a word. I think it's, it, is. it is a word. Um, yeah. It's now. It's a word now. Without so, further ado, let's crack into those stats. Yeah. So I, th- I thought to begin with, let's just have a recap of the films that we've watched this year. Indeed. So six films each started way back in January with Santa Claus the movie. Still just our most popular you. podcast. Oh, and how many how many uh, listens did we get? Eighty-seven listens. <laughs> wow! Really? Yes, indeed. I will, I will say, uh, without giving the game away, um, our second most popular podcast was our second podcast. <laughs> our third was our third, and I think you don't need to have a spreadsheet to see where this is going. Well, that's We'd really worn out the patience of all the friends and family that I'd foisted the link on by then. Uh, it, it's as if we need to choose more popular films for people to start listening yeah. to. It, I don't know it? what the opposite of building an audience is, but we're certainly doing a grand job of it. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, so the 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 January and let's just let's just emphasise this: the January <laughs> film was Santa Claus the movie, which is one of the most depressing experiences of my entire life, um, followed by one of Hughes most depressing experiences of his life, which was the February film, Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> Followed by the second most depressing uh, experience of James's <laughs> life was when I scored Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, yeah, which I still think is a, ha- a harsh score of one, but nevertheless. I can care. Um, so uh, let, let me, let me uh, it's probably a good idea to go through the scores as well at that particular point okay. in time, but we'll come on to that, we'll come to that shortly. So Quickly Down Under movie. was oh, the oh, uh, March uh, film, and that was, that was from Hugh. Runaway Train, um, was April, that was mine. Too Late the Hero was Hugh, the fabled two-hour, ten-minute uh, podcast where we went into graphic detail um, with every single scene of Too Late the Hero. Longer than what is already a long film uh, was the podcast. <laughs> it, it, indeed, we we took longer to talk about Too Late the Hero than we did to watch Too Late the Hero. Yeah. We've done that a few times. I think Santa Claus the Movie was a was a one-hour, 50-minute podcast no, it was for a one-hour... I've got, I've got oh, the numbers. Oh, oh, okay, but for a one-hour, thirty-minute film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I will I don't say, though, I will, I will say we've, we've not improved. <laughs> no, 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 we haven't. No. Um, it wouldn't be so bad if the films were like eighty minutes long, but they're not. They're nearly two hours. Um, so quickly, quickly down under, runaway train, too late, the hero, and then, then of course, the Nadir of Dancer in the Dark, um, lightened somewhat by the follow-up film, which was The Secret of Nim, yes. and then Orson Welles' Zephyr Fake, Nuns on the Run, Darkman, The Bounty, which was November's film, and the most recent film, which I'm sure that you have all listened to already, which was Seconds, which was a mere few weeks ago when we did the recording of that, and Indeed. you have obviously absorbed all of our fine talk over your Christmas dinner with the family. Um I'd like to think they played it instead of the usual Bing Crombie, Michael Bublé album. Is just to play our <laughs> review of Seconds. Um, whilst <laughs> I, also, I also love the fact that you described him as Bing Bing Crombie, not Bing Crombie. <laughs> Bing Crombie, yes. It's <laughs> obviously those are the twelve films that we've um, reviewed this year. So um, in in order of the average weekend at Crombie's score from highest average score out of five to lowest average score out of five we can have a list of the one to twelve films of which 
the highest score. Do you have any clue what this might be here? Um, I'm going to say it's Runaway Train. You'd be correct. Ding! Four and a half. I gave it a five and you gave it a four. There we go. Um, so, yeah, Runaway you Train. You win. <laughs> I, I you win the year. Runaway, <laughs> <laughs> Runaway Train has been the, 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 um, the best film that we have seen in... Um, Weekend at Crompton. Four, four and a half out of five is pretty good. It is. So that's not bad. The second highest film, um, it's a joint score. Okay. Uh, and it's one each of our films. Oh. Um, any clues of what your film would be the second highest? Um, I genuinely can't think of any film I would regard as being that good. Uh, I yeah, do you know what I'm drawing a blank. Oh, I think I pick very middle of the road films, and that's wrong. I said we're going to have a little bell curve here, and I'm most of my films are in the middle, and you're top and bottom. So I'm I'm saying that um, seconds is probably the second. Um, yes, you're yeah. right. You're right with that. Second seconds is the joint second highest. Yeah. As for mine, uh, I couldn't guess. So so yours is too late. The hero. Really. Um, Yes, because indeed. I gave it a high score. Didn't I? You gave it a five. <laughs> <laughs> Do you regret giving it a five now? Because that's no, I need to stay competitive. I, I, you know, in the, I, 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 I said I found it a five. I didn't say it was a five. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a three. Probably so fair. overall, that's an average of four. So it um, a four-star film. So we got. Um, so that's the top three, effectively. Um, I gave two there zero is... five stars. If I played in Crombie yet. The fourth best film that we've seen is another of yours. It's a three and a half. Um, and it's it's actually one of the few films that I've rated higher than you. Really? For your film, yeah. Ooh. Um, In fact, it's the only film <laughs> that I've rated higher than you. <laughs> again, I'm drawing a blank. Secret of Nim? Nope. Quigley Down Under. Quigley Down Under. You rated Correct. Quigley Down Under higher than me. I gave Quigley Down Under a four, and you gave it a three. My goodness. Yeah, um, I, I stand by that. I think that's a, I think it's a cracking film. That um, so that's fourth. Now we have a, a large swathe of films which are middle of the road threes. So yep. I, I won't ask you to guess them. Santa okay. Claus the movie, yep. The Secret of Nim, F for Fake, Nuns on the Run, Dark Man, and The Bounty. Now what's interesting about these is that for Santa Claus the movie. Um, the Secret of Nim, F for Fake, and Nuns on the Run. They're, the average is three, and we've both scored them three. Okay. For um, Dark Man and The Bounty, we have a discrepancy. The average is still three, but I gave Dark Man a four, and you gave it a two, and I gave The Bounty a two, and you gave it a four. Ah. So we have to, we have you know obviously it's become average there, but it's um, some some discrepancies in the scores, and then we get into the final films, which are mine. <laughs> <laughs> Which have the lowest scores. Uh, They—they're both two and a half. They're only two and a half because of the scores I've given them, uh, and the scores I had to, to give them. Very low. So these are Phantom of the Paradise, which has an average score of two and a half. Okay. Let's be clear about this. Hugh Morgan gave Phantom of the Paradise a one, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to see that February has not lessened the sting of that. I literally nearly fell off my chair when you gave it a one. I was gone. <laughs> that was our first. That was the first time you'd picked a film as well. <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought this isn't going to go well. Uh, <laughs> 
a mistake. Would I be right in thinking that, that in the assemblance of this spreadsheet, it brought it all back to you, and that's where this oh, bitterness is coming did. from? It really, really did. Um, and the other one, of course, is Dancer in the Dark. Is Dancer in the Dark, which uh, you have to say is such a, pol- uh, a polarising film. It is. Either really a one or a five is an entirely justified score. It is. I, yeah, I, I can I can complete. You know, I understand where you're coming from. That you yeah. you're either going to enjoy. Well, enjoy is the wrong word. I think you're either going to take something from the film or you're not. Yeah. And that's it, really. There's nothing whereas, more you can yeah. do. About whereas it. Phantom of the Paradise possibly might have inclined me to be more generous. It, yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. So but if, um, if you look at the context, it was coming right off the back of Santa Claus the movie. That's where I'd pitched my level. Yeah, you had. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I thought Phantom of the Paradise was. A fun film. Let's put the can back on those worms and <laughs> okay, yeah, and leave that in 2018. Yeah, the biggest discrepancies between votes for us was uh, Phantom of the Paradise and yeah. Dancer in the Dark. So I've given that I've given them fours. You've given them one. So that's okay. the biggest kind of variance with okay. the scores themselves. Um, and obviously they're both mine. The biggest variance from the films that you've chosen is the bounty actually um the bounty and too late the hero which have both been two differences um you've given them obviously five and a three for too late the hero and four and two for the bounty but really relatively similar for the films that you've chosen okay so Um, so so between us the two of us we've only ever given one film the full five floating crombie heads each each of our each and too late the hero yeah Interesting. Yep, both of those, uh, uh, you know, they've got a, a weekend at Crombie's gone because they've received a five disembodied Crombie head score. They are. So, you know, ra- rarefied company, I think. Yes, but you still win. <laughs> <laughs> I think I realise now this is why it's good that the person who picked the film goes first because they can't then rig the score. Yeah, no, if, that's you, if, you, if you gave it a five, I could be thinking, oh, I could win. Not that it's about the winning, but, I, I, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm bitter that I've lost. <laughs> right, so, so um, what, what, what we'll do now is, is talk about the the average year of the film. Okay. And we have a year that has um, cropped up. It um, has more than more than any other year. So um, the year nineteen ninety um, was chosen three films: Quigley Down Under, Nuns on the Run, and Dark Man. So we obviously have some kind of affiliation with the 90s in that regard and there's also been quite a large number of 1980s films as well so santa claus the movie runaway train the bounty Nim, the bounty as well i think that probably stems from our age really um the the 80s and the early 90s were kind of burgeoning times in my um cultural life and puberty took place so i remember quite vividly with um not much fondness but it certainly <laughs> stuck in the mind anyway <laughs> um, it was an opportunity to watch films like Quigley Down Under, for example, <laughs> when when my friends might have been, I don't know, I was going to say downloading porn, but obviously they wouldn't have been downloading porn in the late 80s. F- finding pornography magazines in bushes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I was sitting at home watching Quigley Down Under uh, and reading Terry Pratchett novels. Um, but, you know, that's Indeed. what healthy childhood. And here I am 30 years later doing podcasts about those same films. Yes. Um, so there we go. Um, so if we're thinking about um, the, the average age of the films that we choose, we look at my films. So, um, so again, just to recap, my films, Phantom of the Paradise, Runaway Train, Dancer in the Dark, F for Fake, Dark Man and Seconds. The average year of the film made is 1981. Okay. The earliest film is 1966, which was Seconds, the one that we've most recently reviewed. Mm-hmm. And the newest film on the list of films that I've chosen is Dancer in the Dark from the year 2000. And that is actually the 
newest film of all the films we've reviewed. Interesting. As is second, the oldest film of all the films that we've reviewed as we've reviewed as well. Well, that's in, that's again, that's probably entirely accurate because my almost criteria for choosing films is within the span of my own um, life. The fan of my own life, yes. I'm not. (laughs) It's mostly just films I saw when I was younger, you know, between, say, the age of 10 and and 18. So that's why we're hitting that spot of the uh, the late 90s, the early 80s. Um, And whereas you are choosing a entirely different criteria um, based on what you find interesting or or what would depress me the most. (laughs) But what's interesting about it, though, is that the average year of the films that you've watched is 1983. Okay. So. We are similar in the age of the films that we choose, but the spread of the films is much wider because uh, the 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 most recent film that you have chosen is from 1990, and that's the Quigley Down Under and Nuns on the Run, and the oldest film is from 1970, which is Too Late Hero. Yeah. So you have a much more a narrower um, kind of time frame within which you choose films, but overall the actual average age of the films are, are very similar. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and we're going to move on to now what I think might be an interesting conversation, which is how <laughs> to score each other's films. Welcome back, dear listener. Uh, we took a, a brief moment there because the, the chimes of Big Ben were, or, um, were, were bonging um, in St. Stephen's Tower, of course. It's the clock, not the bell. Um, and... And I'm afraid James has uh, has had a rather um, lusty rendition of uh, of Old Lang Syne and is slightly hoarse. So uh, if yes. uh, if, I, if I find myself um, sp- speaking to someone who um, whose voice will uh, will modulate, let's say it's still Dr. James Evans Esquire, um, but through the medium of Joe Pasquale. Well, it was a very uh, guttural um, singing rendition of Old Lang Syne, and we also had a little bit of um, I Need a Hero as well. Um, which was really good by Bonnie Tyler. Indeed. Um, I once, I once nearly won a karaoke, uh, a karaoke competition of uh, Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. It was a. Uh, you nearly won. I don't, don't. It, it's, it's very bitter. Um, it was, it was a works do that I'd organised, and there was a karaoke off, and a couple of people at the, oh. at the, the do saying, "Can we just have a sing song for fun?" And I thought, "No, there's a competitive." function on this we can have a competitive thing so i was I, I got through to the final on this because basically you have to sing along and however accurately you modulate your singing to the actual tune you yeah. score points on it um and you, you the both of you sing and the microphone will pick up who's doing it best and, and score you accordingly and i was i was it was neck and neck this person i was singing at was a very good singer <laughs> and I, I i hung in there and i started to pull ahead because it's a really long song so you need stamina you oh, it is. yeah it's and, about four choruses it is and i, I, and, I and as, as she was coming into the final turnaround bright eyes i was i was there i was ahead i was ahead on the, I, you know, I was ahead by a furlong i had it i had it i had it and then it was done and i turned to my audience who were clearly you know enraptured at this point to yeah. take my bow and there was one final turnaround bright eyes that I hadn't accounted for. <laughs> and because the, my opponent had and sung that one, she scored the crucial two or three points oh, to get ahead. And so that ironically, I turned around and that cost me the, the total eclipse of the heart song. And, and that woman is now the mother to my two children. <laughs> But I digress. Um, but, um, so, yeah. so, so this is what James was. But more importantly, dear listener, we we are here to talk statistics, and oh, we are. and we have in our pocket some stats. We've talked about how the films were scored all together, yeah. uh, and we've talked about how the the, the time span. But now, uh, James, I believe you have some stats for us that might be of interest. 
I do. And the way that you're describing this, Hugh, suggests that it's been some time since we recorded the first half of this podcast, well, well, which you, listener, I can assure you it isn't. Well, it, it's it's it is. To sing <laughs> Old Lang Syne and have a couple of whiskeys. That's well, all. <laughs> if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're being honest it was a whole year ago when we started this because of course we started the podcast in 2018 and it's now 2019 we're seeing this yeah, well, that's plans. Too. i see what you've done there yeah, 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 I, see. I, I did that in school a lot i was very popular yeah. I, I, in school but i always say i will see you in a year's time yeah. and oh in the, in the in the year um 1989 I, that, that was fantastic. i'll yeah. see you in a decade's time <laughs> Did you do it in 1999? I, you know I'll what? see you in a millennium. I, I, I didn't because I had no friends by that point. Um, <laughs> but I would you, have you, done. You say you did that when you were a, a, a child at school. On my last day of work before the Christmas break, I, I did that very thing to my work colleagues. <laughs> Chuckled to myself as I said, well, everyone, I'll see you in a year. And everyone obviously looked at me like I'm a bloody idiot. <laughs> Uh, but I, I left reasonably happy, <laughs> which is which is when which is really all that counts. It is. I must say, I'm I'm impressed by the irony of uh, of, uh, of an absolutely clear um, internet signal, but it's now your voice that is fluctuating in and out. For <laughs> the first time, maybe maybe it's there's there's some kind of connection. My my, my voice needs to be um, Joe Pasquale esque for there to be a clear internet. Uh, if I have a you know rumbunctious. Um, uh, deep, hail fellow, uh, well lettered style voice. Unfortunately, it means that the internet doesn't work. Indeed. <laughs> shall, we, shall we crack on? Let's crack on. Okay, so um, yeah, going to talk about how we um, how we score each other's films. Yes. So, you know, as Hughes mentioned, we've we've given you a rundown of the the top twelve films, um, starting at the top with Runaway Train. Yes, dear listener, I won Weekend at Crombies in two thousand and eighteen, but it was all lost. On two films, Phantom of the Paradise, and I think you can safely say right at the bottom was Dancing in the Dark as well. Right, right at the bottom. But um, what does this mean in terms of how I score Hughes' films compared to how he scores his own films, and how Hughes scores my films compared to how I score my own films? As you can imagine, um, there is quite a discrepancy um, between the average score for Hugh for the films that I have chosen compared to my own score. So that's obviously quite egotistical as well. The average score I give for my own films is four disembodied crombie heads out of five, which seems my ridiculously goodness. Ridiculously yeah. Um ad- admittedly, I've given all of my films four, except Runaway Train, which I've given a five to, and F of Fate, which I've given a three. So not all of my films. <laughs> four of Four of the six films I've chosen, I've given a four to. So still hefty, considering also you don't haven't a lot all these films in UT. You haven't seen any film you picked that you'd seen before. I had seen um, Runaway Train, Train before, yeah. and Dark Man, but we're talking years and years yeah. ago. And Whereas, you know, it's yeah. always a risk. Always a risk. Interesting. Um, so, so yeah. your your it was like, um, your divination is it divination? What's the thing we do with the the divining rod? Divining yeah, divination. Rod. Yeah, yeah you're, divination. You've, you've got a good. <laughs> I say you've got a good rod, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been told all that it's ever done me any good. But <laughs> uh, whereas I've seen all my films, and I've just clearly well, we'll find out how I've yeah. scored them. All the all these all these films um, I've drawn from my experience. 
Yeah, yeah, you're ambivalent to them. So, um, in contrast, Hugh, um, <laughs> the the ones that you've given Phantom of the Paradise, Dancer in the Dark, and the two that you gave to Dark Man have meant that the average score that you give my films is two and a half, <laughs> which is a whopping one and a half disembodied crumbie head difference between us. And we're only talking about small sample size as well. Yeah. Um, and in that two and a half, you've given two fours, Runaway Train and Seconds. So, you know, there are some terrible films that I've put you through. I can apologise. <laughs> so that, that, that data would seem to indicate that I am far more considered in my scoring, because you just clearly lob out a four and, and, and think no more of it, whereas I, well, I ponder the other numbers exactly. You'd, you'd think that, except when we come to the films that you've chosen. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Where you've lobbed out a five or four. So the, these are a bit close, I will have to say, but okay. um, there's still a slight discrepancy. So you have scored your own films three and a half. Okay. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Too Late the Hero, you gave a five two rather ridiculously. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if Phantom of the Paradise is a one, Too Late the Hero is not a five. Um, and uh, you gave the bounty a four. The rest you've given threes. Really? Um, so, yeah, so uh, three and a half. Whereas I've given your films uh, a, 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 a very average three out of five. So it's closer, but, you know, much more middling of the road. But I've given, I gave Quigley Down Under a four, yeah, um, which is the only four I've given one of your films. And um, you stand by yeah, that four still? I do stand by that four. Um, I, I, the, the, I have a, um, a fondness for the Quigley Down Under pod, um, episode, yeah. primarily because it reminded me how much of a really interesting film Quigley Down Under is. I really liked it when I was young, yeah. but I never thought it would hold up as well as it has. And I think it's just a really interesting... Oh, God, I keep saying interesting again. I can't open it. It's just... I tell you what, it, it's, it's an engaging film with something to say that is funny and challenging and it's... Um, has some problematic scenes in it, very difficult scenes, but it's it's, it's a cracking film. But what I also like about that particular uh, episode is that we talked about kicking someone in the bollocks for about <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Yes. But I, I don't I don't think I've laughed as much in 2018 <laughs> as we went through the um, when Tom Selleck kicks a man in the bollocks, uh, punches a man in the bollocks. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that was the edited version. I mean, the the, the, the cutting the floor is littered with bollocks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although, I, will, I will say actually I, now I'm going to jump in here with a, a, a factlet of my own I don't fact oh, it okay. um, do you know you said you said you used the word interesting a lot there is another word that you used for every single film and it only stopped the habit I think of the last two films so for ten um, consistent films you've described a character using the same word a character. Uh, uh, not the same character, but every character, yeah. no matter what the film, has, has and then you <laughs> described him with the same word. And I started to listen out to him thinking, he's never going to describe him as this person, is it? And, and that you do. You always find a certain character, you call them pathetic. <laughs> it, it, whether it's a verbal tick, and I've stopped it now, but it's, it's stopped coming the last couple of episodes. Clearly you found no one pathetic there. But whether we're describing Puffy the Elf or, um, or, or, or Alan Rickman's Elliot Marsden, you, um, you, you, you manage to call them... It's, he's, he's really a pathetic character in many ways. Is that, is that your impression? <laughs> I wonder if you were just trying to send subliminal signals to <laughs> For my choice of films. <laughs> 
Well, there are a lot of pathetic characters in the films that we've watched. I think yeah, um, we've drawn. I, well, I would quite like a pathetic character. I, I sense uh, that because I, I didn't sense any animosity towards the characters no. you described as pathetic. You seem to be quite affectionate towards them. Well, you know, my my, my rule of thumb is that um, good films are populated with characters that you don't have to like but are well-rounded. And I think a pathetic character is quite easy to write on the screen. It's much harder to write a um, a kind of a complex um, character. Whereas, you know, if somebody's just pathetic, I think it's quite an easy thing to do. And it's not a bad thing. Um, sometimes they drive the narrative very strongly. It certainly did in Quigley Down Under. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's um, there's always that problem of writing clever people is you have to be clever yourself because your, your cleverest yeah. character is only as clever as the writer. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's yeah. a stupid character you've got free reign with. That's why I don't write films, screenplays, because they'd be populated by stupid characters. Uh, but it'll be fun, though. <laughs> That's the 2019 um, yeah, so project, three, is the screenplay. Three and a half uh, for you, three for me. Um, oh, so there's only yeah, a half like, a crumpy head between us with my films. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's only half. And oh. actually, I mean, look at the, look at the films. Um, as I say, Quigley Down Under I gave a four to, and The Bounty I gave a two. Mm. Um, but you know they're they're within the range really you know they're not they're not the extremes all the others are threes even Santa Claus the movie which was in January which you know I had to disassociate myself from actually the experience of watching it from the film itself to the extent that I'll probably watch Santa Claus the movie during the Christmas period yeah but not in January not in January well that, that's in... uh, there's there's a mere half a head crombie between us um so Indeed. yes and, and I will say that of the six films I picked I don't think any of them were psychological horrors. No, I don't think any of them were. Although I do think that um, I, I, I have to I mean, be completely honest about this. I absolutely did not realise when I was choosing these films that they were all, I mean, all of them actually are types of psychological horror films. Even F for Fake yeah. is a film about personality disorder. And, and it is though, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's absurd. It? Oh, Phantom of Paradise is about changing an identity. I suppose Runaway Chain is, is a kind of, I mean, there is a psychological horror element to that because it's about how how humans are chained into their kind of ways of being, which is similar to Seconds. I mean, I actually can't believe it. They were totally <laughs> random choices. This is some very inexpensive therapy you're going through. It is. Well, I will. I will make it. I wonder what I the theme what, of next year will be. Well, exactly. So, so the 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 um the the kind of overriding theme of 2018 weekend at Crombies was much more for me around um, films from interesting directors that I've not seen that uh, that I would like to kind of explore. Okay, so um that was kind of my kind of framework for, for for choosing films if i've not seen them just interesting films that i think are worth discussing discussing in that context for next year what i'll probably do is kind of try and soften that a little bit from my perspective and think about films that um aren't necessarily or may not necessarily be um cr critically um well, critical successes. I'm not saying that all of these were, were critical successes, but trying to think a little bit more, not on, on the on the, the kind of the mainstream side of stuff, I guess, really, because I, I, I don't know. I don't think I can get away with another six psychological horrors. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think I think July would probably be the last weekend at Grommet that we did. <laughs> I've got some ideas lined up for next okay. year. Yeah, I think uh, mine are mostly films that I think ought to be found interesting, but aren't. <laughs> Yeah. And that can be hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's the uh, the kind of. Well, I think what we've done there is we've wrapped up 
our own scores. What I'd like to do now is to move on to um, the films in the public gaze. The hoi The hoi yeah. Um, so um, maybe we should take a little break and we'll come back with uh, the public's view of the films that we've watched. Join us then. Okay, dear listener, it's now 4am in the morning. And the, uh, the party is it's subsiding, isn't it, Hugh? I think it's safe to say. It is. We're down to the uh, the, the bottles of ouzo and uh, and, uh, yeah, and the plain Pringles and avocar. There's no lemonade <laughs> left. It's just glugging the raw avocar without ice straight from the bottle. <laughs> I mean, it's still quite tasty at 4am in the morning when you've not slept for 24 hours while still doing a Weekend at Crombies episode, anything's tasty, I think. Um, but let me let me continue with some tasty uh, statistics about the 2018 Weekend at Crombies extravaganza that we're having at the moment that you can listen to day in, day out through 2019. And we've gone through our own scores, and we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the public's scores of the films that we reviewed. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, these statistics are from Letterboxd. Um, so what I've done here is I've just taken effectively a snapshot of um, how many people watch the films that we've watched and the average scores that are given to those films. Um, pretty straightforward. I'm then going to talk about which which films have the higher proportion of five stars and actually which films have the highest proportion of one stars. I think I said half stars earlier, but I think one stars is more, more appropriate. So um, as we start this, I, I like to I like to give you a little test. OK, of the films that we've watched. Um what do you think is the least popular film that we have watched in 2018? The most obscure film. The most obscure, as in the ones that the fewest people have seen? The fewest people have seen is on Letterboxd. So they have logged this the fewest times. Okay. And I have to say, this film is not just the most obscure. It is significantly the most obscure. <laughs> it's, like, it's like almost nobody has seen it. I am going to go with Too Late the Hero. You would be correct in that. So, <laughs> My five-star too late to hear it. So um, the average, the average uh, viewing across all of our films, okay, okay. is 8,944 viewings per film. I see. Okay? So that, you know, that would be in the, I think Letterboxd has something like three or 400,000 users. So, okay. you know, um, that's still fairly obscure, but no, it's not. It's not tiny. Yeah. Um, Too late. The hero has been viewed by three hundred and sixty people. <laughs> <laughs> One of those is me. <laughs> I feel I need to meet these three hundred people. I feel that I'm going to have a kinship. <laughs> I mean, that is just that's hardly anyone. Um, that's in the world. <laughs> So, so that's maybe why we're looking for undiscovered gems. Exactly. Uh, In contrast, um, the most watched film that we have reviewed. Yeah. Any thoughts on this one, Hugh? Okay. It's a favourite of yours. It's Dance in the Dark, isn't it? It's Dance in the Dark. With a whopping twenty-eight thousand. Twenty-eight thousand people watched Dance in the Dark, and three (laughs) hundred watched Too Late the Hero. Basically, this this is why democracy is not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, this is why I never give the people choice. No, they should let me pick their films for them. We'd all watch Too Late <laughs> the Hero, and no one would watch Dance in the Dark, and we'd be a lot happier. Yeah. So I have to say as well that, um, on average, I watch films that are far more watched than you do. Yeah. Uh, so I choose films that are far more watched than your films. So on average, um. Th- 
13,700 people watch the films I've chosen, per film that is. And for you, it's 4,000. <laughs> so you, you choose far more obscure films. I don't think I like Letterboxd. <laughs> far more obscure films. However, given that, that Too Late the Hero is by far the, the least watched film that you choose, do you, can you tell me which one do you think is the most popular film? The most I think this is a surprise, actually. popular film that I've chosen. Yeah. I'm going to go... I think this is a surprise, but... Nuns on the Run. No, actually, that's the second least oh, okay. watched. Secret, <laughs> Secret of Nim. Yes, yeah, Secret, Secret of Nim. Yeah. 14,900 views. Oh. It's quite quite large. The lowest uh, lowest watched film I've I've chosen is Runaway Train. Really? Yeah. Runaway Train? Yeah, I know. 4,500 people have watched that. My which goodness. is more than the average film that you've chosen. <laughs> You're still winning. <laughs> I don't know that that is winning. Isn't isn't Weekend at Crombies all about shining True. a light? So, so, it, so, it, so it shows your... that I, I have the eye. I have I am yeah, the, exactly. I'm the bloodhound that can pick out these hidden gems or the hidden things, and you're just going with the crowd, the populist. The... You, you have the eye, if not the uh, the taste. <laughs> no, well, we don't know if they're gems or not, but I can I see a truffle and I can dig it out, and then we can examine it. <laughs> well, you know what they're I don't, about hand, I don't hang around with those those my pals in letterbox just picking them. You know, what's popular? Eighty thousand to watch Dancer in the Dark. I have to say, I, I cracked possibly the best joke I've ever done in my life there, and you completely ignored it. Crack, crack it, crack it again. I'll, I'll piece it in the edit. Well, you don't have to know you, but I will crack it again. It only won't carry quite the same impact now. I'll give you the feed oh, line. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the feed line. I'm there. Picking out the truffles and and we'll find out whether they're whether they're gems or not. Well, you know what they say about blind pigs, don't you? <laughs> That's brilliant. I feel that was somehow not worth the effort. <laughs> That's a cracking joke. Oh man! Right. Oh gee, I tell you, show the squally here. <laughs> right. So um. Yeah, so you, you pick, you pick the jokes. Squally will be making uh, representations to us if you're going to tell jokes in that voice. Yeah, you, you, you pick the gems. That's what you do. You pick the gems. Um, in terms of the uh, average score given by the public, okay. um, we have a joint top um, of four disembodied Crombie heads out of five for the public. Um, Dancer in the Dark is amongst the four. <laughs> it yeah. is. Oh, my God. Dancer in the Dark has the highest public average score. Um, has the highest popularity. I'm going to say that's top. Four out of five. Four <laughs> out of five. Good to see in there stewing now, aren't you? I, the, the, the world I knew is no more. No, up is down, black is white. Dancer in the Dark <laughs> is the most popular and well-regarded <laughs> film we have seen this year. Well, according to the Hoi Beloy. Um, actually, it's where there are three fours. The other two fours, the second most popular, so it's the same score of four out of five, but it has the second highest number of viewings, is um, Orson Welles' F for Fake. Which I can, I can kind of, it's a bit of a, that's a bit of an artsy, I can see why that's got four. I think yeah. if you were going to watch X for F for Fake, you'd probably be in the kind of person you'd like, like X for F for yeah. Fake. That I can get I, on board with. I don't think it's a four-star film, but... No. Um, as as we've proven by not giving it four stars. <laughs> exactly. And the third highest in the public vote is um, Seconds. That's <laughs> <laughs> four, but that has a slightly lower viewerage. Ah. Um, so there you go. So on average, um, the, um, the, the 
the highest score that the public gave one of your films. Have a guess. My highest rated film, um, Quigley Down Under. No, actually, it's The Secret of Nim. So, oh, sorry, yeah, we had it, The Secret of Nim. Yeah, 3.7. Well, that's entirely fair. Yeah, it's good as well, yeah. Um, and the lowest, I think this is a surprise as well, but... The lowest wasn't Too Late the Hero. No, 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 oh, not at all. One, nuns on the Run. Nuns on the Run, 2.6, which is a very low score. 2.6. I know. They it's haven't heard me make the case for it. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, on average, um, 3.1 disembodied Crombie heads for your films, and, of course, 3.8 for my film. <laughs> You know, I'm not, I don't want to go. I mean, personally, I think that's all wrong because the best film I've seen this year is Runaway Train, and that's yeah. only three point six. Is there so another like, website we could go to? I suppose there is the IMDb as well, but the issue with the IMDb yeah. is that it's not as good. As is, it not? <laughs> is there not some? Is there not some like Rotten Tomatoes that we could go to that, that well, aggregates? That's yeah, we could do. Um, so. This is this is where you get really annoyed, though. Okay. This is where you just get so annoyed, you're going to explode. Um, so, <laughs> the film with the highest proportion of five disembodied Crombie heads given across all of the viewings that it has, yep. it's Dancer in the Dark. <laughs> I think I'm 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 solving the mystery. I think people watch Dancer in the Dark and they they're they're too ashamed to say it both bored and horrified them in equal measure. And they, and it's like, you know, you just give it a thing to get out the door. You give it a nice, polite five stars and you just end it. This is, I mean, I think this is ridiculous as well because 25% of all votes for Dancing in the Dark was five stars. 25%! So, um, um, we'll see, how many people watched it? 80,000? So 20,000 people? No, uh, 20, 27,000 people have watched it. So, um... I don't know what that might have. Math was never my strong point. So over five, six thousand people thought that yeah. was amongst the best films they've ever seen. Ever, ever made. Ever made. Dancer in yeah. the Dark. <laughs> you don't want to do this anymore, do you? <laughs> I don't want to watch Dancer in the Dark anymore. No, that's true. Um, yeah, so I find, I find that astonishing. Um, the the <laughs> but what was also astonishing is the highest proportion of one stars given. Would that be Starts with the dark? What? Oh, I like these people. How many people did that to? Six percent. Six percent. Well, not that many, but clearly. No, but that's still the highest. Yeah. As, as I, as we did say, it's a polarized, polarizing film. It's probably been. It is, a, and I think that's just that kind of evidence is that, doesn't it? Really, the yeah. second, the second highest proportion of one-star films was um, Santa Claus the movie, which again. You know, maybe they watched it in January. <laughs> I suppose, though, you don't have to give a score to this, do you? So you could watch Dance in the Dark and then want to never think about it again. Yeah, that that is true. So, the, the, so you have the, to be the, motivated to come here and give it a five-star yeah. review. Yeah, you're right, actually. So that the, um, the, the, the the number of viewings, that doesn't equate to the number of five-stars given, if that makes uh, sense. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so, so actually, but, but I do have the figures for that. So um, yeah, I actually have the figures oh, of 15,000 people that actually rated Dancer in the Dark. 3,805 gave it five stars. Good grief. <laughs> um, do you know how many people gave Too Late the Hero five stars? I'm guessing... Other, other than you. Other than me. I'm guessing nobody did. One other person. One other person. Do we know who that is? Can we call them? <laughs> Can we give um, them a shout out here? Uh, we can actually. Hang on, let me just get this up. If I can 
if I get letterboxed up, I can probably work oh, it out. Oh, wonderful. Well, anyway, man looks up things on the internet. It isn't exactly cracking podcast listening, is it? Is it um, Kane 82 <laughs> I tell you what, if if I'm honest, that's funnier than my blind pig joke, which is disappointing. <laughs> well, that is really disappointing. But you know, what can I do about that? <laughs> and it's not coming up at the moment. Hang on, just a second. Here we go. Right, okay, viewer, listener, hold your horses. It's happening. I appreciate the way you're typing extra slow. hard on the keyboard to make to, to add the sound effects that you are searching. <laughs> There's some big thumps. The harder I, the harder I hit it, maybe that um, means that the internet will go faster. I think that's how it works. No, it isn't. Right, here we go. <laughs> okay, Pulp Serenade. Pulp Serenade. Pulp Serenade gave Dancing in the Dark five stars. Pulp Serenade. I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but they are from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York, yeah. Other five-star films that Pulp Serenade has given include Santa Claus the Movie, <laughs> Quigley Down Under. Um, uh, I don't know, just it's fairly normal stuff, you know, Shaun of the Dead, uh, okay. Star Wars, um, Thor, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, oh, God. They live Jurassic Park, that's a five-star film. Anyway, yeah. this isn't about Pulp Serenade. But uh, to Pulp Serenade, I say, if you're listening out there, I salute you. I raise one of my glasses to you. There's not many left in this party now. They're a bit soiled. But I raise a glass to you, sir, madam. You are a scholar and a gentleman slash lady. Um, <laughs> and you have fine taste. I am particularly noted that of all the, you know, there's the uh, the laundry list of great films. Yeah, you Star Wars and your Jurassic Park. Yeah. And amongst that... Pulp Serenade thought to add Too Late the Hero because it means something. A lot more than one might argue than Dance from the Dark, which everyone just goes along to and gives five stars to because, you know. Well, because because the, the, the Cannes Film Festival gave it uh, the Palm Door. There you go. If, if, I, if Too Late the Hero had had the Palm Door, I'm sure we'd have racked up a few more too. And I don't think it even got nominated. No. Um, there's the one person that gave um, Too Late the Hero... <laughs> one star. Oh, name and shame them. <laughs> Too late, the hero podcast. Jisoo. Jisoo. I've no other information other than this person's watched 4,863 films, which is a significant amount, of which 46% have been rated one star. So I think this person is mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> we should say if Jisoo, if you're listening, we don't know if you're mentally ill or not, but I think give Dance in the Dark not Dance give give Two the Hero another try. I bet you're Does one of the, I bet you're one of the five star Dance for the Dark people at Jisoo. I, I know your type. So there we are, dear there listener. Are. That that wraps up uh, what what I can only describe as a rambling shambles of an episode of We we looked on the internet, we lost our collective voices, we told a few jokes yeah, several we times. We, we we willfully ignored the structure of the, <laughs> the podcast etiquette. Well, this, this is because this is this is the thirteenth floor. We are, there are in every every season of of um, of two weekend at Crombies, of which we are now going to season two. There are twelve sturdily built, well structured stories, and there, there is the mysterious thirteenth floor, which you are now within. Um, <laughs> I hope you make it out okay. <laughs> well, and you, you remember, you don't have to um, you don't have to enter the thirteenth floor again for another year, which is fantastic for you. And I will, of course, be collating the statistics for the films that we watch 
throughout 2019. The first of which, to remind viewers, will be Face, Face. Antonia Bird's Face. So we'll be reviewing that in January. It's Hugh's film, his first film of 2019. Um, and uh, I've already got some of the statistics for that one. Um, it's it's not good reading, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think by which you mean few people have seen it and it's not well regarded, which means it's perfectly in uh, my in my pickle barrel. This is exactly indeed. this is exactly what I wanted from it. Yeah. Because well, who, knows? who knows? Who knows? I even I haven't seen it for years. I could be wrong. I'm really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and and who knows what 2019 will bring for Weekend at Crombies? Indeed. Probably 12 more episodes slapped together over long. Um, <laughs> desperately, desperately <laughs> trying to cut for time. We need to watch. I think we might need to relax our length of the film um, that we're allowed to choose because I think we've got a two and a half hour max. Which I don't. We've we neither of us have um have got to that. No. Mercifully, although we have got we've got close to it on a couple of occasions. I think I think too late. The hero is about two hours ten minutes, <laughs> and the, the the episode was of equal. And I think Dance in the Dark's fairly long as well. That's yeah. about two hours and fifteen. Oh God, was it long? So I I, I think I think the length of the film does not relate to the length of the episode. Um. I don't know, but we should go for something like I don't know, uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder's. Berlin Alexanderplatz, which is nine hours and fifty-two minutes long, and see if we can drag the dead corpse of that weekend at Crombie's episode into the public domain. I tell you what, we should have though is we should go for a a well-known film, and this this, yeah. this is now us, you know, jamming live. We may have signed off oh. now. We go for a well-known film, but we watch it live. Nice oh. eighty-minute film that everyone will be familiar with, and we watch and review it. On the spot. On the cuff. On the, off the cuff. On the, not on the cuff, off the cuff. <laughs> Without editing, too. So just, uh, it's it's all there. I like Maybe we should have a... Um, well, yeah, I think we'll leave it out there at the moment. We'll, we'll, we'll have a think about that, because I quite like the idea of a live episode. They do that with EastEnders sometimes, don't they? We are the EastEnders live episode. <laughs> <laughs> but not face. Not face, no. Face, face requires uh, FaceTime. Yeah, I think though if you're going to do a live episode, it's got to be um, it's got to be like some horrific horror films. <laughs> it can't be really, it can't be a bland film because that would be really boring. Oh, it does have to be a horrific horror film, would it? <laughs> yes, it does. You, it's got to be a psychological horror. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be. Uh. Yeah. On that note, on that, on that, on that wonderful note, um, we we welcome you, dear listener, into 2019, and I hope that we all enjoy our collective weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. I seem to have I've lost my um, <laughs> I've lost my voice. I don't know where it's gone. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The thing is, trust me, that I've lost my voice and I sound like Joe Pasquale <laughs> rather than Slim Charles. <laughs>